sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of the morning after live right here on SportsGrid and Sirius XM channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid radio on Sirius XM all across the Spiz Grizz network. That's SportsGrid and that includes SportsGrid.com slash watch. Find your favorite destination and get everything you need all across the grid. I am Ben Stevens. A ton to get to here in hour number two. There is only one game of NBA playoff action tonight, but it's the marquee game. In the marquee series, we all dream for now a reality in game number two this evening in San Francisco. The Golden State Warriors, the Los Angeles Lakers. Steph versus LeBron as the Dubs try to even the series. A full-blown preview from both perspectives with the home team and the team on the road up in Northern California later on here in this second hour. But we dive now into Major League Baseball. The Daily Diamond Dash, live right here on this Thursday on TMA. Two games yesterday in Detroit between the Mets and the Tigers. Detroit takes game number one by a final score of six to five, and the Tigers take game number two as well, eight to one. But the story for game number two wasn't so much the team in the Motor City, it was Max Scherzer against his former team, the Detroit Tigers, but Scherzer's first start since serving that 10-game sticky stuff suspension. And it wasn't the best start for Mad Max. The Mets were booked as a greater than $2 road favorite for the second leg of this doubleheader. Yesterday, the Tigers winning outright as an underdog. For Scherzer, entering yesterday, a 2-0 record, or a 2-1 record this year, excuse me, a 3-7-2 ERA. And he entered in his last eight innings before that sticky stuff suspension, throwing eight innings of shutout baseball. Not the case yesterday. Three and a third pitched against Detroit, gave up a couple of home runs and allowed six earned runs in total so now as you look at Max Scherzer after a very short start yesterday Scherzer two and two this year overall with a five five six ERA of course Scherzer a former Detroit Tiger his former teammate in Detroit and a guy that is now his new teammate in New York Justin Verlander makes his first start in a Mets uniform today against the Tigers we'll talk about that game in just a few moments with Craig Mish but it hasn't been the best couple of weeks for the Amazons after losing both in the doubleheader against Detroit yesterday the Mets have now lost eight of their last 10 games and this comes after a 14 and 7 start to the year where things look rather optimistic for New York but that was before this recent downturn over the past few weeks and we have seen some movement working against the Mets here from the odds perspective the second best price to win the National League East before the year got underway now four to one still one of the top four teams to win the National League pennant a plus 650 number but again negative market movement of a dollar and a half nearly six dollars of movement against New York in that World Series market a team that has only seen positive movement after a very positive start to this year the Tampa Bay Rays facing off against one of the best teams surprisingly so from the National League for a second straight day in the trop 
the Rays hosting the Pittsburgh Pirates. And for the second straight day, the Buccos only score one run, and Tampa wins 8-1 to one yesterday. Tampa has been unreal at home this year. 16-2 and two overall is their mark. Hey, welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. Hour number two of a Thursday, live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. 8-1 to one the victory yesterday at the Trop for Tampa Bay. They were booked as more than a $2 favorite at home. Shane McClanahan got the start for the Rays, and he was great. The Rays have been great at home. 16-2 this year. They have been favored in all 18 of those games. And despite the strong start, for Pittsburgh now still 20 and 11 straight up this year despite dropping two straight against Tampa Bay they've been booked as an underdog in 22 of their 31 games this year but Tampa after a historic start to this year one of three teams in Major League Baseball history to post the best ever start through 13 games a perfect 13 and 0 Tampa's been keeping it rolling since 12 and 6 straight up 25 and 6 overall by far the best record in major league baseball and you see that run differential plus 113 it was Shohei day in st louis for the halos and the cards yesterday shohei otani getting the start for los angeles and although he allowed four earned and although his angels club was actually trailing after he was bumped from the game after five innings of work shohei did strike out 13 his record this year still four and oh his last two starts though he's allowed nine earned over those two Shohei did score a run in the ninth inning and again despite the fact the halos were trailing after Shohei Otani exited the mound yesterday the angels respond they're down four three entering that final frame they score three for a six four victory so when you look at the odds for Shohei Otani yes he did record a hit yesterday yes he did record a ribby as well not a home run but well over his strikeout prop of six and a half finishing with 13 he has had at least six strikeouts in five full starts this year he is the favorite to win the American League MVP we'll go around Major League Baseball continuously here for a second straight segment with Craig Mish live on this Thursday on the morning after up next SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A ton of day baseball today around Major League Baseball. We break it down on our daily basis with Craig Mish live right here on this Thursday on the morning after on SportsBeat. Craig, the host of Newswire, that comes on after us starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time. And, of course, our Major League Baseball insider. So, Craig, when there's a slate pretty much entirely full of day baseball, how excited are you to get things going on the earlier side in MLB today? Yeah, no, I think it's cool. Look, I, I mean, this is a very unusual uh, slate today to have all games during the day. Now, there is one game at 610 Eastern, but generally yeah. speaking, when I see this, Ben, it makes me think 
Is there a NFL draft tonight? Is there some like big event that I don't know about? Is it the Met Gala? Like I, I just I don't get why there would be no night games, but uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's the scenario that we have tonight. So yeah, I mean, uh, start your clocks early today for for afternoon baseball because come eight o'clock, eight thirty tonight Eastern, there'll be no pitches thrown. Zero games starting after 7 p.m. Eastern time. That is generally the barometer of what we see. But, Craig, one of those day baseball games in Detroit between the New York Mets and the Detroit Tigers. A doubleheader yesterday. The Tigers take both of the games, including against a former Tiger in Max Scherzer, who got roughed up. Three and a third allowed six earned runs. Today, another Tiger makes his debut now in New York. It is Justin Verlander's first start of this year against the Tigers. The Mets booked as a very heavy road favorite. Justin Verlander, Craig, as you well know, faces his former team after spending 13 years in Detroit, the previous five with the Houston Astros. What do you make of the circumstances going into this first start for Verlander now as a New York Met? Yeah, I mean, the Tigers did sweep the Mets yesterday in that doubleheader. They do have Eduardo Rodriguez on the mound today. He's looked much better in his limited starts this year than he has, I think, in a couple of years. The Tigers are finally cashing in on some of that investment. They paid him a lot of money. There, you know, obviously are some people, uh, you know, Ben, that feel like, you know, signings like him and Javier Baez may have cost their general manager, Alavila, his job at the end of last yeah. year, too. But I think that this is probably a game again. You know, we talked about a game like this the other day, too. Like, first five, very low-scoring game. The Mets really haven't been slugging the ball. I think eventually they will. Is Verlander someone in his first start of the season coming off an injury that's going to throw more than 85, 90 pitches and go more than six, seven innings in a game? Ah, you know, I don't see it that way. And it's an afternoon ball game where the two teams, you know, generally speaking, want to get out of there. Afternoon baseball games generally do go under the total more than they go over. So I expect a low-scoring game today. Mets can certainly win, but I am not laying a run and a half to try and get a reasonable uh, wager in on this one. It would either be taking the Tigers' money line, first five under, or nothing. Craig, with all the excitement entering this year, signing Justin Verlander in the offseason, that was stemmed a little bit on opening day when Verlander was placed on the IL. The reigning American League Cy Young Award winner now makes his first start for the Amazons. I was going to ask you how many pitches you expect him to throw or how many innings of work we see out of Verlander today. But, Craig, what is your expectation? What do you want to see from Justin Verlander on the bump in his first start of the season, his first start for New York? Yeah, I, I think that what every Mets fan probably wants to see is him come out of this start healthy and just look solid yeah. because you got to be a little bit concerned after seeing Max Scherzer pitch yesterday following that brief suspension. I mean, I just only human to think that, hey, you got to wonder, like, what's going to happen with him moving forward? So for Verlander, it would be like five, six innings. And I think that that number that you just showed, uh, you know, for FanDuel's odds for his K prop, I think it's a very fair number today. I don't, you know, love either yeah. particular side. I think this could come in right at six or seven. That does make sense. Tigers are a swing and miss team. So that would definitely be in his benefit. But at the same time, you have a lot of guys swinging at first pitch fastballs in the day game, Ben. You could be just getting a lot of ground balls, low scoring game. Uh, you know, that's, generally speaking, that's usually the way that it goes in games like this. So uh, no real lean from me on that. But I just come out of this game healthy, Ben. That's that's really the key. They, they have to have Verlander good every five starts. The Mets. Craig, the Mets without, got off to a good. Yeah. Um, 
you know, insurers are pitching the way that he did the last time. I mean, just healthy. That's the key. Yeah, health is always a big key for that Mets starting staff. They got off to a good start this year. New York did 14 and 7. But Craig, over the past two weeks, the Amazons have now lost eight of their last 10. Yes, it was not a great start for Max Scherzer yesterday, but when you go Scherzer in one game, followed by in the exact next game, Justin Verlander, Craig, does this provide a glimpse at what the rest of the season could look like for the Amazons? No, no, I think they're going to be fine. They'll be willing to add. I, I have no opinion change on the NL East since the beginning of the season whatsoever. Nothing has changed my mind. Uh, you know, the Braves, you know, when I came on at the beginning of the season, that was the team that I took to win. I thought that the Mets and Phillies would be very close to one another. I still feel like that is the case. Remember, in the end, the Mets did spend a lot of money, but mostly on the players that they already had on their roster. It's not like they added seven guys this offseason in a brand new team. It's not like they got Lindor as a new player or Nimmo as a new player. It's like those guys were there already. They did not land Correa. I, I still think they're a great team. But I just don't think that they're as good as the Braves. So it's still, to me, at the top Atlanta, followed by some combination of Philly or New York. And, you know, you know the Marlins to this point, despite getting bludgeoned by the Braves the last couple of days, are still, to me, yeah. uh, you know, better than last year, but probably not as good as those teams in Washington's last. So um, you know, I haven't changed my opinion at all. 14 to 6, the score for Atlanta yesterday over Miami. The Braves have won two straight, seven of their last 10, 21 and 10 straight up. Now the best record by themselves in the National League. Craig, there's only one team in the American League Central that is above 500. Out of the five in the division, it is the Minnesota Twins, a 17 and 14 record. They're on the road today on the south side of Chicago against the Chicago White Sox, who, by all accounts, Craig, as you have shared, one of the most, if not the most, disappointing starts to this season. With Minnesota being the only team above 500 in the AL Central, Craig, how primed are the Twins to run away with this division? I still think Cleveland will be in the mix. I would not discount that. Uh, Chicago, at least over the last 72 hours, Ben, looks better than they did over the first, like, <laughs> 35 days. So at least that's going for them today. As far as this game in particular is concerned, this is one of those games, Ben. And look, I, I know that there are people that love to just throw picks out and just have an opinion on every single game. I'm of the opinion, if you don't have one, uh, talk with you for a while and pass. And that's exactly what I would do with this game. Look, Pablo Lopez has been fantastic. Last couple of starts, he's gone the other way. I'd like to see what he can be. Lucas Giolito, first couple of starts, was not very good. Last couple of starts, been much better. A lot of variance in this game right here. I think it'll be a close game today. I mean, you can't completely discount the White Sox at this point. It is still too early, I think, to do that. But I run away for the Twins? I'm, I'm not so sure. Mm. But again, on the show earlier in the year, I did pick them to win the division too. So I, I still do think that that could happen. But let's not discount Cleveland. They're not out of it by any stretch. It is the second month of the season, Craig, but you're right, still the first week of May. Do you feel differently about the American League pennant odds right now, a month plus into this Major League Baseball campaign, than you did at the start of the year? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, the, with the way that the Rays have played, I, I think that that adjustment ahead of the Yankees is fair, and the Yankees offensively have looked very rough. So uh, I, I definitely would be foolish to say that Tampa Bay is not in the mix at this point. I also, you know, you can't predict injuries at this point, but I'm not feeling as good about saying that Seattle would be my sleeper team now that they've lost, you know, Robbie Ray for the entire season. I, mean, I was one of their best two starters there. So Seattle, to yeah. me, you know, their odds are pretty much where they were, I think, Ben, at the beginning of the year. 
but don't feel clearly as good when you lose a pitcher like that. Yeah, that's a really good point, Craig. And you had Brian Cashman yesterday, the general manager of the New York Yankees, meet with the media and say, hey, everybody, don't give up on us. The Yanks have won two straight games, although they are in last in the American League East because all five teams in the division have a winning record above 500. That includes the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. And Boston has won five straight. The Blue Jays have lost four in a row. Yes, Craig? Anything quick? And Baltimore, of course. Of course. Keep an eye on the O's. Craig Mish, thank you so much. We'll chat in a little bit. More of the morning after. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Only one game in the NBA playoffs tonight, but it's the best series of this Western Conference semifinals round. It's the marquee matchup we hoped we would see in the postseason, and it is a reality. Game number two tonight in San Francisco between the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers steal game number one on the road on Tuesday evening, winning outright as a four-and-a-half-point underdog. Game number two tonight, back inside the Chase Center between the Dubs and the Lakers. We are very glad right here on this Thursday on the morning after to welcome on Kylan Mills to help us break down game number two tonight between the Dubs and the Lakers. Kylan is the host of Locked On Dubs for the Locked On Podcast Network. Does some great play-by-play work as well for the Pac-12 Network and all around. Kylan, thank you so much for joining us here bright and early on the West Coast to preview game number two tonight between L.A. and Golden State. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ben. Appreciate it. Happy to be here and talk some dubs. So game number one goes to Los Angeles. They surprise everybody by winning outright on the road in San Francisco on Tuesday night. Kylan, as you look back on the first game of this series, what was the biggest issue you think that played Golden State in game number one? Uh, The biggest issue first that stands out to me is figuring out how to shut down Anthony Davis. Um, There were a couple of other issues you could bring up, actually a number of issues. The fouling, some people like to point at the ref. I personally think the Warriors need to play more disciplined defense, and that was not entirely the referee's fault when you look at the free throw disparity. But to me, the number one thing is figuring out how to shut down Anthony Davis. If he has a 30-20 performance every night of this series, they're going to be in serious trouble. Um, So to me, that's the number one thing that needs to be addressed. Uh, one way I'd like to see the Warriors address some of that is maybe throw a little more zone and try to pack the paint. The Lakers were one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the NBA in the regular season. Um, I think one thing that could possibly help was just be to run a little bit more zone and to throw that more into their arsenal. Um, in addition, I'd like to see Jonathan Kaminga, one of the Warriors' young players, get some more playing time and possibly see if he can disrupt AD. He does need to do a lot. He just needs to try to be a thorn in his side. Uh, if you're not familiar with Jonathan Kaminga, super athletic, long, can be a rim runner, both a rim protector on one end. He's had a great season defensively, got worked into the rotation more or less right around the all-star break and, and after that. And then also on the other side, he can be a vertical threat that I think the Warriors desperately need. 
Kyler, we heard from Steve Kerr earlier in the show describing what the Warriors needed in terms of aggressiveness in this game number two against L.A. How do you think they fixed these issues they saw in game number one as they get ready for game number two tonight? Uh, well, number one, uh, just the things that I was mentioning about Anthony Davis, I think those are a couple of the options. Um, Offensively, um, I would like to see the Warriors run more of the pick and roll, especially a high ball screen. One thing they have to do is to try to get Anthony Davis out of the paint because he was super effective both offensively and defensively. So I think whatever you can do to try to spread the floor to get AD out of the paint offensively is going to help. Um, number two, I think the Warriors need to try to push the pace because the Warriors were really successful in their fourth quarter push when they went small and they put Draymond Green in at the five and they started really just trying to push and run the Lakers out of the gym. Now, that being said, the Lakers have been a team that also pushes the pace, uh, one of the top five teams in the NBA during the regular season in terms of fast break points. But still, I think that lineup for the Warriors being super effective could be a good thing moving forward that they could possibly look to try to run the Lakers out of the gym in a way that that helps them, I think, is just when they get out in transition that doesn't give Anthony Davis time to set up and park in the paint because they were really struggling to get to the rim. That's something the Warriors didn't have anyone do effectively in that game one possible way to counteract that would just be to try to get more points in transition the Warriors are typically super effective in that way um, and then like I said offensively try to get him out of the paint like I said maybe I personally think more high pick and rolls you can't just run that you also do need to go to your motion offense as well you can't just run one thing but still whatever they can do to try to spread the floor I think is going to help Kylan, of course, Stephen Curry has been sensational this postseason, a 50-point performance in game number seven against Sacramento this past weekend, the most points we have ever seen in a game seven in NBA playoff history. Just 27 in game number one, which is not a bad tally by any means, but it was the first time all playoffs long Stephen Knox scored at least 28 points. What do you expect out of Steph for game number two tonight against L.A.? I think Steph Curry is going to be much better tonight than he was last game. I mean, the Steph Curry heroics from game seven were just incredible. I would be shocked if that man was not tired in game one because the Warriors did not have any time to rest, which was a big storyline going into game one of this Lakers series. Um, I don't think necessarily that the Warriors looked overly tired, but you got to think in your back of the, in the back of your mind that that had to be a factor given the Lakers did have a couple extra days of rest. And you're also looking at two teams that are much older. Their stars are aging. So those few days, I think could make a big difference. I'm hoping that Steph Curry comes out and really takes control of this game. Um, I think for the Warriors to win this series, they're going to need another Steph 50 piece performance. I do believe that maybe if not 50 upper forties, but I think they're going to need some heroics from Steph yeah. Curry. The Warriors are in order to continue to march through the postseason. Um, this is a Warriors team that I don't believe has the depth of championship years past, at least not in terms of size. When you look at their eight to nine man rotation, they don't have a ton of size coming in off the bench, which I think is some of the reasons why you're seeing them struggle so much with AD throughout the regular season. They've struggled with stretch fives in particular because Kevon Looney is just pretty slow. He is effective when it comes to the glass, but just not a super quick center. And then beyond that, the Warriors don't have a lot of size coming in off the bench. They don't have any kind of backup for Kevon Looney. Um, so to me, it's going to have to take a lot from Steph in order for them to continue to move forward in the postseason.
He is averaging nearly 33 points per game throughout these playoffs. And of course, the odds expecting a lot from Steph tonight as well. 31 and a half for his points prop for Stephen Curry. On the other side, Kylan, you mentioned the defensive focus for Golden State tonight against Anthony Davis after the 30.23 rebound performance in game number one. On that side of the floor for the Warriors, what will the defense look like around guarding LeBron James? Uh, so I think it was kind of interesting. The LeBron James we saw in game one of the series wasn't necessarily the LeBron James I think we're used to of years past. Um, he was off ball much more than he was prior. Um, so I don't know that the Warriors are necessarily going to have the same focus on LeBron as they maybe would have in past series. I mean, I think the focus is really going to be trying to figure out how to prevent points in the paint and prevent Anthony Davis from just having his way with this team on both ends. Um, in terms of LeBron, the Warriors have a couple of different players who did guard him and can guard him, I think. Andrew Wiggins is a great candidate who continues to be one of the Warriors' best defenders. I think Draymond Green is the primary defender we're going to see on Anthony Davis. When you're going to talk about defense, to me, Kevon Looney, just way too slow. Again, the Warriors' center, really effective on the glass, and he still was in this game, you know, which is a positive. I don't think um, Kevon Looney is going to be completely worked out of the lineup, but I do think we'll see Draymond Green on AD much more um, in terms of defenders on LeBron. I think Andrew Wiggins was effective. You can also put Draymond on LeBron. Um, and then there are a couple of other Warriors role players. I mean, Gary Payton II is one of their best perimeter defenders. Uh, he doesn't necessarily have the size you'd like to see on LeBron, um, but I'm looking for a better game from him. He's another player who the Warriors specifically traded for to bring in a defensive specialists to bring in some perimeter defending when they've struggled and he's been a bit ineffective in addition to Dante DiVincenzo who's another bench player who has been one of the Warriors best perimeter defenders hasn't really showed up or played great honestly throughout the postseason so a couple of the Warriors best defenders just in general need to step up big picture team defense like I said I'm looking at possibly a zone the Warriors try to mix in a little bit more um, and then to me it's the big problem is trying to figure out how to shut down AD because he was just so much more effective and lethal in game one than LeBron but you know it's LeBron so you never know when he could come out and light up. And Kylan, as you well know, Draymond Green discussed that on his podcast following game number one as well. Seeing LeBron James play in a different role that wasn't as ball dominant as we've been used to out of LeBron James in his nearly two decades in the association. So, Kylan, the narrative following Golden State all year was sensational at home, not so great away from San Francisco. That script is almost flip here in the last four for the Warriors. They won games five and seven in their opening round series in Sacramento. Lost game number six back at home. And of course, game one of the Western Conference semis against LA at home on Tuesday. Overall, though, they still have home floor advantage in this seven game set. How important is taking advantage of that home floor throughout the rest of this series? So I think this is why game one was a must win for the Warriors. It's a little concerning they dropped game one because this is a team that absolutely has to win at home inside a chase center. Um, the home and road splits have been a problem throughout the season for the Golden State Warriors. It's been a mystery, honestly, throughout the season, Ben. I don't know that anyone in the media, even the coaching staff, has just said we don't know exactly what the issue is with this team, but they've been one of the worst defenses in the NBA on the road and then statistically so much better at home, and, and I think the record shows that. Um, so to me, that's why winning at Chase Center is so crucial, and you would have liked to see the Warriors go up 2-0, um, and then you do have the home court advantage through 
through the rest of the season or through the rest of the series rather so that's where you look at you know maybe the Warriors can squeak out the series now they have to win one in LA I mean that's the bottom line yeah. the Warriors have to come out of LA one and one and then they maintain that home court advantage as you look at games five six and seven with the way the Warriors have struggled on the road every game at Chase Center is super important and that's why I know from talking to this team and listening to some of the you know, press conferences and media availabilities that they were also looking at these first two games as super, super important. Unfortunately, dropped game one, but now they've got to win out at home and take one on the road in L.A. Game two, very critical tonight. Kylan, only about 30 seconds remaining in this segment. Do you think following game two this evening in San Francisco, we will be even at one game all heading to L.A. over the weekend? I think the Warriors are going to take game two. I feel pretty confident about that. Game one was a lot of what you'd usually see in terms of a Steve Kerr feel-out game. I know a lot of people around the Warriors have been saying that. I think they're going to make a number of adjustments that we've talked about in the show, and I think the Warriors are going to come out and take game two. The series will now get really interesting when they head to L.A. to see if they can take that one game on the road uh, when it comes to games three and four. The Warriors a six-point favorite at home tonight against the Lakers. Kylan Mills, thank you so much for your time. More the morning after up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Although there is only one game of NBA playoff basketball tonight, it is the marquee game from the marquee series of this NBA postseason. The Western Conference semifinals between Golden State and Los Angeles. The Lakers and the Warriors, LeBron and Steph. We brought you the Warriors perspective just a few moments ago with Kylan Mills. Now time for that outlook for the Los Angeles Lakers. Anthony Irwin joins us live right here on this Thursday on the morning after the host of the Lakers Lounge for the Blue Wire Podcast Network. He is here to preview game number two and the rest of this series between the Lakers and the Dubs tonight. Anthony, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here bright and early on this Thursday morning. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime. So we get ready for game number two, but not before we look back on the opening game of this Western Conference semifinal series. The Lakers win outright by five as a four and a half point underdog. 117-112 on Tuesday night in San Francisco. Anthony, as you've had a couple of hour or a couple of days now to look back on game number one, what is the main reason you point to the Lakers were able to steal the opening game of this series against Golden State? Anthony Davis. <laughs> he was he was incredible. Uh, he Darvin Ham uses him differently than Frank Vogel did back when he was here. Uh, he really focuses uh, Anthony Davis's efforts on taking away the paint. And you saw it right from the get go. The Warriors weren't getting anything at the rim. I know Warriors fans were, were pretty heated at the free throw disparity and and mm. you know how the Lakers shot what was it, 29 and the uh, Warriors shot six total free throws on on the game but that had everything to do with them just not wanting any part of anthony davis they shot 53 threes on on the on the night a lot of them off of the dribble um and and the closest they really got consistently was in that kind of five to seven foot range uh where they had to try to shoot floaters over him uh and he did that on defense and then offensively kevon looney 
didn't have anywhere near the impact that he did on uh, DeMontis Sabonis. He was really good in the pick and roll and on the on the offensive glass. So yeah, if AD plays like that, I, I just don't see a way that the Warriors can win the series. 30 points, 23 rebounds for Anthony Davis. He becomes the fifth Laker all-time in that franchise's playoff history with a 30-point, 20-rebound performance in the playoffs. Shaq, Elgin, Wilt, and Kareem. That is Lakers lore that Anthony Davis has now entered. Game number two tonight, Anthony, in San Francisco. The Warriors, a six-point favorite against the Lakers. What do you think will be the key matchup tonight that might determine the outcome of game number two? Well, it's really the desperation that the Warriors have to play with. They have their backs up against the wall. They cannot afford to go down 0-2 going back to L.A. They've been a bad road team um, all season. The line has actually moved. The last I had seen it before I went to bed last night was actually 4.5. So, obviously, yeah. people feel pretty confident in, in uh, what the Warriors are going to be able to do here tonight. And, and, and for good reason, I would be pretty surprised. I would I actually, I'd be outright shocked if the Lakers won this game tonight, uh, even against Memphis and all season, really, they haven't done a very good job of following success with more success. They tend to enjoy that success, rest in the laurels a little bit. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, drop a dumb one, even before the playoffs, they had a dumb loss to Chicago when they really needed, you know, wins to get into the playoffs and avoid the play-in, that wound up being the difference between, uh, you know, them trying to or having to play in the, that extra game versus a lot, you know, just starting as the sixth seed. Uh, and and yeah. yeah, so even if it if even if times call for desperate measures, the Lakers don't often follow that energy, and 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 that's kind of what I anticipate in this one tonight. Golden State only a four-and-a-half-point favorite, as Anthony mentioned, for game number one. That's where the line was for the most part of the last two days for game number two as it works to six in favor of the Dubs. The odds expecting, maybe the public betting handle, expecting a Warriors bounce back tonight. But, of course, Anthony Davis had the most impact on game number one as we look at his prompts for game number two alongside LeBron James, Anthony. Who do you think has the bigger impact on the outcome of game number two tonight in San Francisco? It has to be AD again. LeBron hasn't been right. He, you know, said heading into the playoffs that he, his doctors informed him they think he still needs surgery and you never know with with nba players they they do like to build up their their legend mm -hmm. um but still like you look at the way that he moves and the shot choice that he has late in games it's a lot of you know step back fadeaway jumpers and stuff and he you know he's doing that because in his kind of micro price processor brain he does he knows like he can't turn the corner on andrew wiggins and he couldn't turn the corner on uh, Xavier Tillman and on Dylan Brooks in the last series. So uh, it's going to have to be AD. The Lakers, I think, down the stretch last night uh, got away from him a little too much, took way too many kind yeah. of contested mid-range jumpers. They need to find a way to keep him involved throughout the game that doesn't involve just him crashing the glass, which is not a terrible option because the Warriors go so small, but it has to be AD. And, and uh, LeBron's shooting needs to be better. I think he's shooting 18% from three-point range in the playoffs. That's terrible. Uh, he needs to be significantly better than that. 
Absolutely so. And Anthony, throughout this postseason for Los Angeles, we've seen the others outside of that dynamic pair of AD and LeBron step up. Rui Hachimura in the first game for the Lakers this playoffs, a big 29-point performance against the Memphis Grizzlies off the bench. Austin Reeves has gone off at times. D'Angelo Russell, big at the end of that opening round series against the Grizzlies as well. So outside of AD and LeBron, who do you think is the biggest X factor for tonight? And maybe the rest of this postseason for Los Angeles. Well, a lot of people oftentimes think of X factors on the offensive side of the, of the ball. And yeah, you do. You, you, you're absolutely right to mention Rui and Reeves and, and D'Angelo Russell and what they have done on the offensive. Den, Dennis Schroeder got to the free throw line 10 times in game one. That was a big factor there as the Lakers were really picking on Jordan Poole. But the big thing here, again, is going to be Jared Vanderbilt's defense on Steph Curry. He was incredible in the first game. Mm. He was all over the court. He had top lock. He, the Lakers are really top locking on their, on you know their approach to, to getting around screens, which means that they are actually trying to stand between the offensive player and the screener, and it forces the the Warriors to try to back, cut back door. But if you cut back door, that means you're going towards Anthony Davis, and that's exactly what the Lakers want. So what the what Jared Vanderbilt did there, um, it does leave him susceptible to some stuff. But those counters are exactly what the Lakers want. So the Lakers just have to stay really uh, disciplined, even if they get beat back door. I would much rather get have them get beat back door towards Anthony Davis than have to go under screens and have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Jordan Poole wide open from three point range. Absolutely so. And you mentioned it, Anthony, when you look at the defensive performance from the Lakers in game number one, certainly against Stephen Curry, he ended up with 27 points. But it was the first time this playoff run for the Dubs, Steph had scored less than 28 points. As we look at that tonight for Steph and Golden State, how do the Lakers continue that defensive game plan from game one into game number two? It's a team effort. You know, I mentioned Jared Vanderbilt, but everybody has to be cognizant and this is actually it was funny lebron gets interviewed after the game anthony davis gets interviewed after the game and based on like their tone and their quotes you would have thought the lakers just lost but they know exactly how disciplined you have to be against this warriors team they are brutal to play against every time you make any tiny little mistake you're looking at a 6-0 run yeah. minimum <laughs> you just it's just like that the lakers were up by 14 um or or whatever they're in the in the fourth quarter and I had people in my in my comment section because I was live during the game and they were like, oh, this is over. This is over. And I'm like, have you ever <laughs> seen this team before? Like, <laughs> and, and, and just like that, 14-0 run and, and everybody's yeah. just like, oh, yeah, I guess I, I guess they're pretty good. So, yeah, it, it, it's Vanderbilt. It's whoever is guarding the screener. It's whoever, you know, the, the guys who aren't guarding shooters, whether that's Anthony Davis, uh, LeBron in some spots, who, uh, Rui Hachimura, when he's out there, doesn't tend to guard shooters. Those guys have to be disciplined and let those guys shoot to allow more help on shooters. Uh, it's a team effort playing the kind of defense that the Lakers did. And they still gave up, what was it, 112 points or whatever whatever crazy number? Yeah. yeah. Anthony, you mentioned it. Under six minutes remaining in that fourth quarter on Tuesday, the Lakers had a 112-98 lead. And then by the time there was a minute and a half remaining in regulation, Golden State won on a 14-zip run, and we were tied at 112 apiece. That is how quickly the dubs can strike. But ultimately, the Lakers in the final minute and a half 
pull away for a 117-112 victory. So the Lakers right now up one game to nothing, and they have flipped to the series favorite in the Western Conference semifinals against the Warriors. Anthony, we expect this to be a highly competitive series. How many games do you think we will see between L.A. and Golden State? I have the Lakers winning in six. Uh, basically, the script that the Lakers have to follow, follow here is uh, win one of the two that they've already got. They already earned their split in Golden State. You have to go home and take care of business against a bad road team. And I would imagine Golden State is going to recover and, and win game five back at home. Um, but they would still be down 3-2, and I have the Lakers closing it out in game six. But... Look, yeah. it also feels like a seven-game series, right? Like, it just it, – it, yeah. it, it, there's no way whatsoever the Lakers don't drop a dumb one where, you know, Steph goes off for 50 points. We just saw what he did to the Sacramento Kings, and the Kings did everything in their power to try to make life miserable on him, and it didn't matter. Steph is just that good. Klay uh, Thompson still hasn't quite got it going this postseason from deep. He can show up in Game Six too, as he has so many times over the over the years. Game Six Clay is an entire trend on Twitter. So yeah, I think uh, I, I think it goes six, but wouldn't shock me at all to see the Warriors wrap this thing up in seven. And six games is the most likely outcome from the odds perspective in terms of the duration of this series at plus 160, but seven, only 15 cents behind at plus 175. Not only, Anthony, based on game number one and the Lakers' upset, did we see the odds for this series move, but the odds overall in the Western Conference championship market. The Lakers leapfrog Golden State, now have the second best price to win the West. Anthony, since the All-Star break, 30 games for L.A., including the regular season and the postseason, they have won 21 of 30. They have been sensational. Make that 22 out of 31 when you include the play-in tournament as yeah. well. Are they playing the best basketball of any team in the Western Conference at this moment? Oof, that's a good question. What Denver is doing to Phoenix is pretty astounding. You know, there you mentioned that the Lakers are the second betting, betting favorite. Denver is still right there, and they're heavy favorites, right? Plus 110 is, yeah. is, is pretty heavy there. So it's hard to ignore what they're doing. Denver also appears that it looks like they're going to have a rest advantage going into that series against whoever comes out of this one. So that yeah. is a huge factor. You also have the altitude that Denver plays at, which is another big factor there. The Lakers have had to, you know, so far, if they get out of the series, they have had to travel all the way to Memphis, the longest flight that they can possibly take in the Western Conference. They had to come back here. Now they go up to the Bay, and you play against this exhausting Warriors team. And then from there, your reward is going up into altitude and facing Denver. Uh, they're playing great basketball. It's always the same thing, though, with LeBron. You give him shooters. You give him length and athleticism. He wins 60-something percent of his games. That's how it goes. And uh, if that if that train if that trend continues and if LeBron and Anthony Davis stay healthy, it's pretty hard to bet against them, even given the kind of odds that the the Nuggets are getting. Anthony Irwin, thank you so much for your time. More of the morning after up next. SportsGrid.com: Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips, twenty four seven, as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering: real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Closing out our two hours together here, live on this Thursday on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, Channel 159. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid Network, I am Ben Stevens. You want more of the Spiz Grizz? Of course you do. The new Spiz Grizz app, aka the new Sports Grid app, is now available for download at the Apple App Store. We make it easy for you. Scan the QR code on your screen right now to have everything you could possibly need from across the grid. You want to follow your favorite host, your favorite shows? You can do that at the Sports Grid app. Hopefully the morning after ranks in your top three. You want all the data set and information that you need to become the best sports better you can and to follow your favorite sports, leagues, teams, players? You can do that at the Sports Grid app as well. The ultimate sports betting companion app is now here. We send you into your Thursday evening with three playoff games, one in the association, a doubleheader in the National Hockey League with a best bet, focusing on that resolve and the odds expecting home teams to bounce back in game number two. So before we say farewell, before we say goodbye, it's time for a playoff best bet. It's time for bye bye bye. Now, just follow me here. Of course, we have seen the line work in favor of Golden State. The Warriors now a six-point favorite for game number two at home tonight inside Chase Center against L.A. They were a four-and-a-half-point favorite in game number one. They lost the first game, and yet the odds expect them to win game number two by even more points. Minus 235 on that money line. We saw both the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Dallas Stars in the Stanley Cup postseason lose the opening game of their second round series at home, and both are nearly a $2 money line favorite. If you were to go money line Golden State, money line Toronto, money line Dallas, plus 211. Just something to consider. We'll talk to you on a Friday. Live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid. It starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk tomorrow.